Welcome to episode 241 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have our regular contributor, singer, songwriter, actress, and good friend, Rachel Lucille Woodworth, a.k.a. Little Star Run. And we talk with Rachel about the creative process, inspiration, melody, songwriting, music in the morning, displacement, being torn between two worlds, and how music is like a time travel machine or a portal. We also get into a comparison of Greek culture and the United States, Pennsylvania sort of cultural experience. Negativity, mob mentality, and seeing the big picture. It's a great conversation with Little Star Run. We also have an EW essay by yours truly titled Cowardice, an excerpt from a short story by the great Franz Kafka titled Description of a Struggle, a poem titled Twisted Figs, and of course, as is always the case, several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 241 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. White light messing up my mind. Don't you know it's gonna make me go blind? White heat tickled me down to my toe. Lord have mercy, goodness knows. White light messes up my brain White light is gonna drive me insane White light takes me down to my toe White light I said goodness no White light messing up my brain White light is gonna drive me insane White heat tickles me down to my toe White light is sitting down, goodness knows. White light, it lightens up my eye. Don't you know it's filled me with surprise? White heat tickles me down to my toe. White light, I tell you, goodness knows. White light messing up my mind. Don't you know it's gonna make me go blind? White light tickling me down to my toe Lord have mercy, goodness knows Lord have mercy, goodness knows Cowardice Lately it has been harder to breathe The succinct way in which I need has to me become quite apparent. It all has become colossally errant. As pinstripe suits and rhinestone boots irreverently take over the planet. And I sing songs no one cares to hear. Oh, my sweet, oh, my dear. The end is coming closer to near, I fear. And an empty rage teems somewhere inside, 
The dogs of war gather and disingenuously confide, whilst my human cowardice directs me to give up and hide. How can one be happy when the sun rarely shines, and as this lost soul incessantly pines for something else not clear, but in comparison certainly queer, as my hips turn inward and my backside droops, a sanctity of hope is trapped and forgotten. Beguiled toward senile bliss looms as my forthcoming stead and sanctuary. Have another sip and pour, you old self-loathing ego whore. And wisps of beauty still linger just enough to falsely rebuff the dream of becoming healthy and finding home. And I roam, a prisoner drone, looking for a wonderful poem, immersed in a parallel juxtaposed universe, calling this chump toward a sense of reality.
Is that you? It is me. Hello, EW. How are you? Good. Nice to hear your voice. Rachel Lucille nice. Woodworth, a.k.a. Little Star Run. <laughs> it's nice to hear your voice also. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard Rachel before, she's a regular contributor to Troubadours and Rock On Tours. And uh, among other things... She's a singer, a songwriter, an actress, and a friend. So today we're going to talk a bit about several items. We'll start off with uh, the creative process. How, how do you define it, or how do you look at it? What is the creative process to you, Rachel? <laughs> um, something mysterious and elusive, um, <laughs> to start off. Um, yeah, I, my creative process has changed a lot over the years. Um, now I'm able to, to sort of schedule, uh, time to be creative. Uh, whereas before I would rely on, you know, purely the spontaneous inspiration that would come, you know, when you were least expecting it sort of thing, uh, being swept off your feet kind of, um, but now, now I've, I have a more, um, I wouldn't say studied, but maybe just more of like a practical approach to, to creativity. Um, I sort of put myself in a certain state, um, a certain state of relaxation and openness and carve out, you know, little pockets of time where um, I can just observe and receive and reflect um and yeah that that actually seems to be a lot more practical for me in that sense instead of just waiting you know for for something to hit me 
Well, that sounds like you, you've become quite the professional in a way. You know, uh, you've really probably, I guess you would say, matured in, in the way that you get in touch with that aspect of yourself. I guess you could say that. I mean, but it sort it sort of just happened really like more because of life and, you know, all the things that life throws at you and, you know, I, it just can't all be sunshine and roses and like, you know, unlimited time all the time. So I, I really have had to um, make that time and carve out that space for myself. Um, and it's also a gift that I give to myself, you know, uh, my creative time amongst all the other hectic things that are going on. So you, you, uh, you, you carve these, this time out for yourself in a hectic schedule, and you say it's a little gift for yourself in a way. Uh, and, you know, where, I want to ask you, the, the, where, where do you find your muse? Oh, it can be from anything at this point. Uh, which is really amazing. Uh, you know, it, it can be from a sentence. It can be from an image. It can be from something I see on TV. It could be from something someone says to me. Um, I feel like my mind is definitely in a state now where it just picks up on any kind of stimulation, you know, and, and is able to, um, kind of immediately filter it and, and put it to good use, uh, which is really, I can't be in that state all the time, but I am definitely in that state more than 60% of the time now, which is, is, um, really amazing to me. Is it, is it, uh, oftentimes, uh, words that pop into your head or is it a melody or is it something that you have to make with your hands? Well, Melodies, a lot of time, if I listen to music, um, just hearing any sequence of notes can produce a different melody in me uh, when I'm writing. I could be listening to even a song that I don't like or anything. It's just hearing any kind of sequence of notes gets my um, internal muse going. And, uh, and then sometimes that will just create a spontaneous melody from something like that. Um, so that's actually something I really like to do in the morning is um, put on music when I wake up. Uh, and usually that will can produce a song. If I listen to music when I wake up in the morning, I can usually write a song pretty easily uh, from that. Yeah, music in the morning is, is something that is a staple in, in my house as well. I, uh, I listen to a, a show that's geared just for the morning wake up and uh, this this uh, DJ is amazing. The, the, the songs he chooses every morning starts at six a.m. and uh, you know I have my tea or my coffee, and, and uh, it helps me. It helps me. It puts me in a good mood usually. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a great way to uh, begin the day. I uh, agree. Now, do you, do you have anything in particular that has been? nagging at you or inspiring you that is you know transforming itself into into a you know a, a, a creative um uh, i guess so, something of yourself that you need to share with the with the world 
Well, there's a lot of me processing um, sort of, you know, being torn between two worlds, you know, being here in Pennsylvania and still being very much uh, a part of Greece as well. Um, that's always a big theme in my writing is sort of the, maybe this nostalgia or displacement that I have because I, I do have these two homes and uh, and sort of just honoring that. I'll give you an example. Um, the other day I was I decided that I wanted to work on a, a Greek song, um, you know, a cover of a Greek song, and I was playing it. And I just had the TV on, like, on really low in the background, sort of just... Sometimes I do that, like, I'll have sort of, like, a white noise behind me because mm-hmm. um, it helps me process things. And uh, I didn't even know what channel was on, and I guess it was the travel channel. And what happened, there was this... Um, I guess it's called Mysteries at the Museum, and uh, they were talking about the Oracle at Delphi as mm. I was rehearsing this Greek song. Completely random. I mean, obviously, I had no idea what I turned on. I just turned the TV on any random channel, whatever, just to be on. And then all of a sudden, there was that um, synchronicity and that coincidence that they started discussing the Oracle at Delphi. Uh, and then I decided to write a song called The Oracle Song. And uh, I'm going to be performing it at my show this weekend. And all that came together very, very quickly. I had no plan on writing a song. I was rehearsing a cover song, you know, something completely different. And uh, and then a new song was born out of that uh, combination of circumstances. Oh, that's beautiful. That, that's beautiful art right there. It really is. I mean, you're in touch with what's going on inside and outside, uh, and you just bring it all together. You synthesize and, and create something new. That's wonderful. I'm glad you mentioned the show. You have a. Unfortunately, people won't be able to attend if they're just listening to this program and hearing about it for the first time because this will air uh, the day after, I believe, the, the show occurs. It's on Saturday, October 15th in uh, New York, or, right? The 14th, October 14th. October yeah. 14th, mm-hmm. yeah. Sunday's the 15th, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about that show and, and how, you know. Um, how you're preparing for it? Uh, well, I'm rehearsing about two hours daily. Uh, I I was pretty sure about the songs that I wanted to play um, already. I had, I just, I felt certain songs went together very well for this particular show because it has uh, an island storytelling theme in a way. Um, the other artists are from uh, Japan. And uh, one of them is from Sado Island or Sado. I'm not, I think it's Sado. Is that how you say it? Um, And she now lives in New York. uh, And, you know, it's about people trading um, their one island home for another island home, basically. And, uh, you know, I, I had similar circumstances with them. So we all kind of got grouped together. Um, to tell some island ethereal stories. Um, and so I already knew the songs that I wanted to to play. And yeah, I'm just... Uh, 
I'm just doing that thing where I carve out the time for myself, give myself these two hour blocks. I don't over rehearse. I'm not rehearsing in like on a crazy schedule or anything. You know, I just give myself a good amount of time per day. And, and that's pretty much how I prepare. And, and you're, you know, uh, people uh, that don't know where you, where you are, you're, you're living now in Northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, I guess you're traveling into New York for the gig. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it in yes. Manhattan or Brooklyn or? Um, it's in Manhattan. And yeah, it's um, a space called CRS, which is the Center for Remembering and Sharing, and it's a multicultural um, arts, healing arts, and event space. Uh, a really, really interesting place. They do some really amazing work there and amazing performances with very interesting uh, multicultural artists from all over the world oh that sounds sounds like a wonderful place and i'm i'm wondering you know what what kind of stories are you planning on telling through your songs um what do you mean like stories within the songs or stories about the songs no within Uh, the songs you know the song you've chosen the songs for this theme um mm -hmm. i guess the island that you would be referring to is is the islands uh, that you you uh, mentioned you're having a sort of a, uh, a a struggle with being torn between here and 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 Greece? So you know what kind? Of, how are you going to uh, approach uh, that theme with your songs? What 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 sort of uh, I guess insight or reflection and such are you going to share? Um, well, I think those themes are inherently in my songs anyway. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, I, I just, uh, you know, I fit right into this theme, kind of, you know, like giving up one home for another and, you know, feeling that sense of, like, um, displacement that I mentioned before. Um, I don't want to reveal too much, EW, um, <laughs> but <laughs> well, the, the, I can't give it all away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the show would have already occurred by the time they hear this this uh, particular conversation. So I want them to go, darn, I wish I went, you know. I'll get to the next oh. one. But, well, <laughs> the displacement, let's just get into that. I mean, what, is, what does that feel like, the displacement? Um, well, I mean... It's, I guess it's, it's really difficult to describe, but it's kind of just a feeling of of not actually being in any one place, you know, um, like always carrying each place with you wherever you go. And also just, I, I was thinking this earlier before um, you called that uh, after I play music for a few hours or something, it, it's almost like all the physical things around me don't exist. I mean, it's like they're there, but they're definitely behind this haze, um, and everything really looks different. It's uh, it's such a strange feeling, and also seeing those songs that I a lot of them were written in Greece too. I mean, I definitely it's like I'm there also at the same time, uh, completely, and so it's definitely a collision of realities. And, you know, just a feeling of transcending any kind of limitation. Physical? Physical limitation? Um, Yeah, 
not physical or circumstantial anything really it it's um i i guess it's hard for me to explain the state that i i experience when i when i play a lot of the songs that i wrote in greece it's like because it's almost i feel a little bit sad i feel a little bit like i'm not there and you know that i miss it tremendously but then it's then i also see it all around me in everything so it's it's almost like it catches up with me and and then i have both places how, how do you see it all around you when you're when you're here just from your recollection um, it's it's the specific feelings and um the sensory uh, things, like the smells, the sounds, the textures. Um, I'm really able to come in contact with all of that very deeply through music um, again. So it's like the, all those things can just be brought back up. Um, it's a, definitely a form of time travel or astral travel. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's like a portal in a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good description. And uh, why why do you think Greece has such a hold on you? I, I'm not sure. Um, I just felt so connected to it when I went there. Uh, and I knew that I had to, had to live there and it had to be my home. Um, you know, and then I had to leave, unfortunately. Um, which was very, very sad for me and a little, a little bit tragic, uh, my own personal Greek tragedy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm also glad to be back in the States for a lot of reasons, too. And, you know, being back in the States, do you, let, let's look at, you know, some cultural comparisons. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you compare the culture that you're experiencing here now in, in the U.S. Uh, at, at, to uh, what you experienced in Greece? Um, well, it's nice being in Pennsylvania because there are some places that are still very, um, you know, like artisanal, you know, and uh, like ma and pop kind of things, which is something that I really loved about Greece is that everything was more artisanal and not so corporate and not, um, so capitalistic, I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, like you, people were still interacting on a very, uh, human everyday level, you know, and neighbors talk to each other and things like that. I mean, here I, I am experiencing that to a point, but then it's also, I think, a lot of people are very disconnected and, and the, the pace of life is so different. Um, you know, that, that people a lot of times don't have time for one another here. Yeah. And I, and, and we don't realize it, you know, I mean, it's our norm. Uh, and when you have the, the privilege to go somewhere else and, and experience an alternative, the kind of alternative you just described, uh, more one-on-one, human, intimate, uh, you know, uniqueness in terms of business and and community. It 
it uh, it's a way it's an awakening almost. Uh, now the U.S. has some great things. Obviously, we're both proud citizens of the U.S. Uh, though I, I agree with you in, in some ways. I don't know about the path we're on right now. Uh, I feel there's a lot of negativity that uh, is very toxic and. I try to discuss it with some of my friends here and I'm usually met with a little bit of, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that they just don't understand my viewpoint, but um, they, a lot of them don't, you know, and they, they think that things need to be a certain way in this country and um, I don't agree. Uh I just, I, I, I feel everyone, that, that everyone's missing the mark, you know? There's a lot of confusion, and I feel like, like people really aren't focusing on what's important. And they're very quick to, um, to hate and to blame and to uh, ostracize and to create more of that negativity and I, it's just it's not going to lead anywhere positive it really won't why, why do you think that there is that propensity uh, toward negativity more so I, I, I'm not sure if it's human evolution you know like that that maybe those are sort of primitive tendencies to um, to go with the crowd or, or to that social aspect of things. Um, you know, like if one person is, is leading the mob, you know, that people will follow. It just seems like it's easier, that mob mentality, that group mentality. Uh, I mean, it's also lack of education, uh, lack of alternatives. You know, if you haven't seen any other realities, then you you don't have that kind of perspective to to compare to your own reality or your own upbringing. That's what makes me sad. Is there's just like a lot of people can't think outside of that immediacy and that limitation and. I just want to say that, you know, that there's so much else that's available in our existence that I wish people could see the bigger picture and and promote that and work towards that and embrace that and, and get rid of any, any uh, ego or personal gain that they may want to have and, and just see the bigger picture. I mean, that's, I know it sounds utopian, but that, I mean, it, it is there. It's definitely there. Well, how would you, uh, how would you define, I guess, the bigger picture? That's what I mean. Like, it's, it's outside of that immediacy of, like, you know, the us versus them mentality or, or the limitations that we see around us on a daily basis. I mean, there's, I think energetically there's a way to transcend those limitations and get to a, I can only think of it in terms of sound, but like a higher frequency, you know, um, just a, a better operating frequency. 
Oh, I hear you. Like, <laughs> I hear you. Uh, it starts from a personal level, of course. You know, people need to do the work um, on themselves. Well, it goes back to some of the things we mentioned already. You know, uh, it. We don't have the time. We're always rushing around and trying to keep up with the the trends or the proverbial Joneses. Uh, and you know, we have um, predominantly a capitalistic mentality, which is all all about or mainly about competition. So you're trying to outdo rather than learn and and listen uh, and work collectively more so. Uh, so uh, that might be the root of some of the problems that you see. I think. Um, would you agree? Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely agree that uh, we need to slow down in a lot of ways. But then we'll uh, lose. Goes- then we'll lose. We'll we'll fall behind. Uh, the, the, you know our com- our competitors our enemies even will will get one up on us well that's you know that's what they want you to think because if you speed up more you become even more disconnected i believe uh so you know it's counterintuitive really to to say well let's let's slow down but that's what everyone needs to do slow down you know stop reacting immediately to things uh, because that, you know, when they have you in a constant agitated state, you're always going to be reactionary. You're never going to be able to, um, to reflect and process thoughtfully. You know, whenever you're out of your center, that's when you, you're in that reactionary state where you're constantly just, okay, I'm, I'm, I can't filter whatever's coming through me. I'm, I'm just reacting. I'm just lashing out. Yeah, yeah, and and you mentioned, you mentioned uh, I had uh, Nellie Mackay on last week, and she she mentioned they a couple of times, and I asked her the same question. I'm going to ask you, uh, Nellie Mackay. Who's but, they? Yeah, who's they? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I I guess that it's more like you know, uh, it's not a, not a true entity, the they, but just you know, the people. For me, it's almost what, like watching a theater. You know, because in, I'm largely removed from a lot of those things that I see playing out in front of me. Um, and so I'm, it's like I'm watching other people because I'm definitely not participating uh, in any of that. Not in the way that people would want me to, you know. Uh, I'm participating in a different way. I believe that, you know, everyone being in their own center and then acting thoughtfully and in a positive manner is, is a better approach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I suppose you would say, you know, not to presume you have all the answers and that you need them all. Well, you don't need all the answers, um, of course, but you, you just you just don't want to be in that reactionary state of like oh I see this and I'm immediately saying this and I'm you know it's just it there I don't feel that any good can come out of that I I don't see good things coming out of those states I I think people need to 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 think more and to breathe in and out more and to be kinder and you know that that's going to produce more of a, a revolution that's how I feel. 
do you think we'll we'll see that here in in uh, our neck of the woods and in, in, uh, in larger society in the United mm. States? I hope so. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's the plan that you know the powers that be have um, because they want to keep people divided. I mean, I think that's really clear. Um, that that that's the goal is to keep people divided and to um, weaken different groups by um, keeping them from unifying that or from loving one another. Yeah, I mean, it's the oldest trick in the book, right? Divide and conquer. Well, I just saw something wonderful in, I mean, this is in Israel, uh, not in the U.S., but, you know, that there was a march for peace from uh, Palestinian and Israeli women over the course of two weeks uh, marching to Jerusalem uh, and demanding that both sides start talking and start negotiating peace. And, I mean, it was an incredible amount of women just a really, really powerful force and, you know, things like that, things that are that nonviolence aspect, that thoughtful, uh, positive action, you know, I think that's what radiates those, those frequencies that we need to be on. I agree. It's tough though, especially when you're talking about that part of the world, Israel, with, with the two sides, as you mentioned, the Palestinians and the Israelis, they're brothers, you know, in many ways, given the fact that they they come from the same part of the world and their history is so intertwined. But at the same time, their, their animosity goes back so far and so deep uh, toward one another that it, it, it's, it's really, um, as, you, as we can see through history, because of history, a, a hard, difficult prospect for them to find peace. Uh, and I hope we don't get that divided here in, in the United States, uh, you know. And, and right now, when you look at the political and social climate in many regards, you know, we are getting a little bit more divided, uh, uh, for sure. And and some there are some people, in particular, our, our president right now, who is is stoking the fires of that division. So it concerns me. And I hope we could get to those better, higher frequencies, as you put it. I, I I just think people need to, you know, take a step back and and look at how they want to approach things instead of just getting caught up in uh, in momentary things. Um, yeah, as I stated before. I just wanted to say, too, about the Israeli um, and P Palestinian march is that, you know, you said that the Israelis and the Palestinians are brothers. We made a good point there, EW, because these were the sisters that were marching. And they were saying, you know, all these brothers that feel that war is the only way, the sisters are saying no. That, And I thought that was really, really powerful um, on an energetic level, you know. You're right. The, um, the masculine tendency versus the feminine, um, and how the how the feminine, the, the divine feminine, in a way, uh, processes things and looks at things. I think we need more of that energy too. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, Rachel Lucille Woodworth, 
a.k.a. Little Star Run, here on the program. And we're just about done with this uh, go-round. She's a regular contributor, uh, so you'll be hearing from her again for certain. Uh, I wish you the best of luck and have a lot of fun in New York City with the upcoming gig on on October the 14th in Manhattan. And... uh, Thank you, E.W. Oh, I wish I could come. I really do. I have other stuff going on that day. But uh, I'll be thinking of you. And uh, before we go, two things. Uh, Let people know where they could find some of your work. uh, And also, you know, give us a little quip, a little thought to to leave us with. A little quip. Um, Okay. Well... Uh, you can find my work uh, on all digital platforms. Well, my single, Wilting, uh, was released across all digital platforms. So, you know, that's iTunes, um, pretty much anywhere where it's uh, a digital um, channel, I guess. Uh, I'm on Spotify. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, um, which under Little Star Run, if you look it up. Uh, on Bandcamp, uh, I'm going to be working with an artist in Brazil um, on a song, and I'll have more information about that, like through my Facebook page, um, and that should be in a couple months. Um, something new. A little clip. I will. I will sing something that I am going to. I'll, I'll just sing a little bit of it. Uh, just. That Greek song that I was working on that inspired the other, uh, the other song that I wrote. Oh, so great, great, please do. Okay, so this song is called uh, in Greek. It would be called "The Quiet Evenings," and it is by uh, a wonderful Greek artist named Arletta. Uh, she recently passed away. Uh, she had a long and wonderful life. A very beautiful Greek song. So it's called The Quiet Evenings, but I'm going to sing it in Greek. So. Beautiful. Rachel Lucille Woodworth, thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Talk with you again soon. Happy thoughts and happy trails to you, my friend. Oh, thank you so much, EW. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Have a wonderful day, evening. (laughs) Ciao. Okay, ciao. It was written on the island of Crete. And I, I had a dream. I went to sleep, I dreamed this song, and I woke up and I wrote it. So it's one of those ethereal, magical things that you can't explain. I was waiting
An excerpt from a short story by Franz Kafka titled Description of a Struggle. At about midnight, a few people rose, bowed, shook hands, said it had been a pleasant evening, and then passed through the wide doorway into the vestibule to put on their coats. The hostess stood in the middle of the room and made graceful bowing movements, causing the dainty folds in her skirt to move up and down. I sat at a tiny table. It had three curved, thin legs, sipping my third glass of Benedictine. And while I drank, I surveyed my little store of pastry, which I myself had picked out and arranged in a pile. Then I saw my new acquaintance, somewhat disheveled and out of shape, 
appear at the doorpost of an adjoining room, but I tried to look away, for it was no concern of mine. He, however, came toward me and, smiling absent-mindedly at my occupation, said, Excuse me for disturbing you, but until this very moment, I have been sitting alone with my girl in the room next door, ever since half-past ten. Lord, what an evening! I know it isn't right for me to be telling you this, for we hardly know one another. We only met on the stairs this evening and exchanged a few words as guests of the same house. And now, but you must forgive me, please, my happiness just cannot be contained. I can't help it, and since I have no other acquaintance here whom I can trust, I looked at him sadly. The piece of fruitcake which I had in my mouth did not taste particularly good, and said into his rather flushed face, I'm glad, of course, that you consider me trustworthy, but displeased that you have confided in me. And you yourself, if you weren't in such a state, would know how improper it is to talk about an amorous girl to a man sitting alone drinking schnapps. When I said this, he sat down with a jolt, leaned back in his chair, and let his arms hang down. Then he pressed them back, his elbows pointed, and began talking in rather a loud voice. Only a little while ago we were alone in that room, Annie and I, and I kissed her, I kissed her, her mouth, her ears, her shoulders, oh my Lord and Savior! A few guests, suspecting ours to be a rather more animated conversation, approached us closer, yawning, whereupon I stood up and said so that all could hear, All right, then, if you insist, I'll go with you, but I repeat, it's ridiculous to climb up the Lorenzberg now, in winter and in the middle of the night. Besides, it's freezing, and as it has been snowing, the roads out there are like skating rinks. Well, as you like. At first, he gazed at me in astonishment and parted his wet lips, but then, noticing the guests who had approached quite close, he laughed, stood up, and said, I think the cold will do us good. Our clothes are full of heat and smoke. What's more, I'm slightly tipsy without having drunk very much. Yes, let's say goodbye and go. So we went to the hostess, and as he kissed her hand, she said, I'm glad to see you looking so happy today. Touched by the kindness of these words, he kissed her hand again, whereupon she smiled. I had to drag him away. In the vestibule stood a housemaid whom we hadn't seen before. She helped us into our coats and then took a small lantern to light us down the stairs. Her neck was bare save for a black velvet ribbon around her throat. Her loosely clothed body was stooped and kept stretching as she went down the stairs before us holding the lantern low. Her cheeks were flushed, for she had drunk some wine, and in the weak lamplight which filled the whole stairwell, I could see her lips trembling. At the foot of the stairs, she put down the lantern, took a step toward my acquaintance, embraced him, kissed him, and remained in the embrace. 
Only when I pressed a coin into her hand did she drowsily detach her arms from him, slowly open the front door, and let us out into the night. Over the deserted, evenly lit street stood a large moon in a slightly clouded and therefore unusually extended sky. On the frozen snow, one had to take short steps. Hardly were we outside when I evidently began to feel very gay. I raised my legs, let my joints crack. I shouted a name down the street as though a friend of mine had just vanished around the corner, leaping. I threw my hat in the air and caught it boastfully. My acquaintance, however, walked on beside me, unconcerned. He held his head bent. He didn't even speak. This surprised me for I had calculated that he, once I had got him away from the party, would give vent to his joy. Now I too could calm down. No sooner had I given him an encouraging slap on the back than I suddenly no longer understood his mood and withdrew my hand. Since I had no use for it, I stuck it in the pocket of my coat. So we walked on in silence, listening to the sound of our steps, I couldn't understand why I was incapable of keeping step with my acquaintance, especially since the air was clear and I could see his legs quite plainly. Here and there, someone leaned out of a window and watched us. On turning into the Ferdinandstrasse, I realized that my acquaintance had begun to hum a melody from The Dollar Princess. It was low, but I could hear it distinctly. What did this mean? Was he trying to insult me? As for me, I was ready to do without not only this music, but the walk as well. Why wasn't he speaking to me anyway? And if he didn't need me, why hadn't he left me in peace in the warm room with the Benedictine and the pastry? It certainly wasn't I who had insisted on this walk. Besides, I could have gone for a walk on my own. I had merely been at a party, had saved an ungrateful young man from disgrace, and was now wandering about in the moonlight. Well, I won't be that bitter taste in their mind. 
Twisted Figs. Check out my new digs. Fresh off the port side of the Dunmore schooner. It couldn't have happened any sooner. And my chest twitches and tingles in delight. Good night, sweet prince. Good day and good night. Tender, translucent, twisted figs. And there you have it, episode 241 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks that made this episode possible. First and foremost, our regular contributor and good friend, Rachel Lucille Woodworth, a.k.a. Little Star Run. Thank you so much for talking with us about your art and your sense of the world. I also like to thank Franz Kafka and these musical artists, Ralph Stanley, Arlo Mitchell and the Lonesome Sound, Rachel Lucille Woodworth, Jade Jackson, Smetana, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Terence Blanchard, and Brantford Marsalis too. Until next week, enjoy this one. Take care. <laughs>